Moses led God's children. Forty years he led them through the cold and through the night. Though they said, let's turn back, Moses said, keep going. Canaan land is just inside. There will be no sorrow there in that tomorrow. We will be there by and by. Milk and honey flowing, that is where I'm going. Canaan land is just inside. Go, we walk through valleys. Though we climb high mountains, we must not give up the fight. We must be like Moses. We must keep on going. Canaan land is just inside. There will be no sorrow there in that tomorrow. We will be there by and by. Milk and honey flowing, that is where I'm going. Canaan land is just inside. There will be no sorrow there in that tomorrow. We will be there by and by. Milk and honey flowing, that is where I'm going. Canaan land is just inside. Canaan land is just Let's take our Bibles today, turn over the book of Acts, chapter 2. Acts, chapter 2, we're dealing with our study in uh, uh, the local church and uh, just... um, Talking about church over these next weeks, and last week, of course, we dealt with that, and uh, we're going to continue to deal with that over the next few weeks. Today, we want to consider the purpose of the church, the purpose of the church. And uh, so we're going to begin in the book of Acts, chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 41. We're going to read through the end of the chapter, verse 47, and we'll touch on about five different thoughts, and we'll move right along today. First of all, let's begin reading there in chapter 2, verse 41. They that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. And sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men, and every man had, as every man had need. <clears throat> and they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, 
praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. You know, the modern view of the church overall is that it's basically a social club. That it provides activities and fellowships for its members. That's kind of a general, modern type mentality. Another popular view is that it's mainly a benevolent organization that provides food, clothing, finances, general help to families and individuals in need. Um, <clears throat> although those definitions aren't entirely wrong, don't, you, you've got to understand there's truth in both of those. The purpose of the church is defined by its creator, the Lord God Himself. It's not defined by a pastor. It's not defined by an organization or an institution. It's not defined by even a denominational head. It's defined by the Lord Jesus. Amen. He determines and He decides what the purpose of His church is. Those things are all good. It's wonderful to have fellowship. And it's great to have some encouragement and, and people in place to help. And it's nice to have the fact that, you know, we're, we're there hopefully in, in times of need and trouble. <clears throat> but the fact is, is that the Lord has defined the church for us. And we want to know what the purpose of the church is this morning. The book of Acts provides us a picture of basically a church and its mission. And at Community Baptist Temple, we want to strive to embrace and fulfill Christ's purpose for existing. Sure, we could uh, align ourselves with what the world defines the church as, and that would be acceptable in most people's eyes, unfortunately even in most Christians' eyes. <clears throat> but we want to align ourselves with His design for the church, His purpose for the church. We desire a ministry here at Community Baptist Temple that is biblically based, Christ-centered, and fulfilling the outlined purpose in Scripture. And that's what we want to do. It's, it's not a chip on anyone's shoulder. It's not that we want to be different than anybody. We, we would hope that everybody would be the same. People say, why are there so many denominations and so many different churches? It's because everybody has different interpretations of the Bible? No, because people don't interpret the Bible the way the Bible interprets itself. There's nobody in, their, in, the, in the world that has a right to have their own interpretation of the Bible. The fact is, is that the Bible interprets itself, as we'll learn in our keys to, study, keys to the Bible study on Sunday evenings. But <clears throat> the truth is, is God has set up the church as He deems it. He has a purpose for this thing. And, you know, we just have to get on board with God's purpose. And when we get on board with God's purpose, we can be guaranteed God's provision. And that's important. You know, it's, it's kind of like our children, you know, when they're bucking our authority, when they're not yielding to our, our, uh, um, our rules and, and so forth in our home. We're, we're not very quick to want to provide for them. If anything, we would like to just throw them out the door and say, good, go out there, see how it is in the real world. Go ahead. You want to do things your way? Go get a job. Go ahead and pay your own uh, for your own housing and go ahead and pay your own clothes and pay your own medical and take care of your own bills. Go ahead. You don't want to do what you're told? You don't want to abide by the rules? There's the door. <clears throat> now, we don't do that in America today. We just go ahead and house them and their, their, their live-in boyfriend or girlfriend and all the children they have illegitimately. And then we turn around and provide for everybody. That's what we do today in America. Now, I'm sorry, I, I, did I say that? Yeah, I did. I did say that. But I want you to understand, you know what? You may do that, but you don't want to do that. 
You know why so many people do that, even Christians? Because they think that's what they have to do. They somehow believe because society told them you have to love them no matter what. Well, go ahead. You go ahead and diss God like that. You go ahead and rebel against God, and you got, you're not guaranteed His provision. He withdraws Himself from you when you live a life that is outside of His Word. Listen, don't, don't think for a minute that He has to abide by the rules that we design and have established in America. He doesn't live by the same rules we do. When something is wrong back 2,000 years ago, it's still wrong today. Things are right 2,000 years ago, they're still right today. And when it comes to the church, let me tell you, a church that is abiding by His design and His purpose is guaranteed His provision, His protection, and His power. And if we want to be successful in this culture, in this day in which we live, we must have God's power. We must have God's provision. And we must have God's protection. That's all there is to it. So we must abide and yield ourselves to His purpose. We must identify it, then we must implement it. And I trust that we have, and if not, I trust we will always strive to be closer and more like Christ would have us to be. So what are some of the issues? What are, what's the purpose of the church? Let's just identify it a little bit today. And again, I'm going to identify based on how we view our ministry, and we, we try to make it practical here in our ministry as well. So let's, let's try to do that a little bit today. And we'll see what God shares with us and helps us with today. Father, bless us now. And again, Lord, I, I don't mean to be mean. But Lord, I feel so often, Lord, like as believers, we, are, we feel so much pressure to, to accept things that are unscriptural and not right. Because we don't want to look like fanatics. We don't want to look like we're outside the box. Help us, Lord, just to align ourselves with you and your word, both in our personal life and in our life here at the church. We want to fulfill your purpose for us as individuals and corporately as a church. Today, fathers, we view the purpose of the church. May we understand, Lord, that it may or may not align itself with what the world says it should, or culture has deemed it, or society has defined it as. Help us just to want to be what you want us to be as a church here today. Well, thank you in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> Number one, what's the purpose of the church and, and I, I, I take this as, you know, what is one of our goals in, a, in, in, in retrospect to the Word of God? First of all, to inspire people to develop a heart for God. Okay, we, we as a church want to do this because this is one of the reasons God left the church on earth. To inspire people to develop a heart for God. Notice verse 42. And they, steadfa- they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. The Bible tells us over in the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verse 36 through 38. Turn there, if you would, please. A tremendous passage. He makes it very clear that we, we are to do something above all other things. Not just as individuals, but as a corporately, as a church, we ought to do this. It is the first and the great commandment. Notice what it says here in Matthew 22, 36 through 38. The Bible says, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Boy, that's a a commandment, isn't it? 
I mean, just, okay, this is simple as this. Here's the first commandment. Here's the most important commandment, basically. Uh, the great commandment. Here it is now. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. So it says, well, I do that. Really? It's that simple. We all do that? When's the last time you sinned? You don't have to yell it out. It'd probably be this morning. I mean, when's the last time we said, I mean, are we really as focused on honoring God as we think we are? Do we really love Him with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul? Why is it that we allow sin in our life if we love Him so much? We must love sin sometimes over Him. I'm just saying, let's be quite honest with ourselves. Now, listen, as a church, as individuals, we are to love God with all our heart. Now, we strive to do that. We try with all our heart to give ourselves to God, not to allow other things to corrupt us or to to get in between us and the Lord. We do that. We work at that. We strive at that. It's a constant battle. What's the purpose of the church? One of the reasons the church exists is to, like a flashlight, point to Jesus Christ. In the midst of the darkness of this world, that flashlight focuses on Jesus Christ. We're to put people's eyes on the Lord. So why? So that they can fall in love with Him as well. As we sing about His greatness, His grace, His goodness. As we, as we speak about those very same things. As we tell them about the goodness of God. As we share God's Word and emphasize its truths. As we show the world kindness and the love of Christ. All of those things are pointing to Jesus Christ. All of those things are inspiring people to develop a heart for God. Look at God. Look how grand He is. Look how great He is. Look how wonderful He is. And someone says, boy, he is. The church should inspire people to develop a heart for God. Number two, the church should include people in a loving church family. Notice verse 44. And all that believed were together and had all things common. Now, not everybody had Black hair, brown hair, red hair. Well, they had all things common. That's not what it's talking about. We're talking about a a spiritual body. We're talking about a body that gathers together. They gathered together and they had things in common. They loved the same God with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their soul. That alone kept them from allowing themselves to go off into other directions that may have caused harm to each other. They cared about one another. I remember at recess as a kid, and I've told this story before, but, you know, how many times have you gone through this, you know? You're, you're at recess on the playground, or you're at church and it's a pickup game, wherever it might be, but they're picking teams, and the kids are all lined up. And I remember in our case, we'd run down at at, at recess and we'd line up on the lines, you know, one on the going to third base, the other line going to first base. And then there'd be a couple captains out there and then they'd start choosing. I'll take him and I'll take him and, 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 and I want him. And, and no, 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 don't do that. No, I get him. It's my pick. And then, no, okay, then I got him. And you know how it was. Now, of course, I, I hate to admit this, but I was always picked first. It's a burden I'll have to bear, but 
I do remember being picked, however. I don't know what order it was, but I got picked to be on a team. And when it was all said and done, I still remember vividly this little boy standing on the side and no one had picked him. And the teams were picked and they said, well, we've got our teams. And the little boy stood there. And his little head drooped. I could just tell he was brokenhearted. He wanted to play. And, 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 and yet we had already nine guys on this team and nine guys on that team. That's what you're supposed to have on a ball team. And every, the teams were picked and there was enough personnel. And I'm sorry, you're just not, I'm sorry, nobody picked you. You're gone. And I remember saying, hey, listen, you can come play for me. And I remember that captain going, no, 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 no way, man. I picked you. you and, and I was probably up there pretty good. And he said, no, you're not going to get, no, 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 no way. I said, listen, that little boy plays or I don't. I couldn't stand the fact that that little boy was standing on the outside looking in. I wanted him to be a part of it. I wanted him to know what it was to be part of the team. And to be wanted, accepted, and loved. The Bible says, Then they that gladly received His word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Acts 5.42 says, And daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. Philippians 2.2 says, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Include people in a loving church family. God intends the church to be an environment of acceptance and love. No, not accepting sin and wicked, sinful behavior. You come in here cussing, we're going to have to talk to you and say, listen, we don't talk like that here because that doesn't honor Christ. But if you just got saved in your cussing, I don't care if you stand up and give a testimony and say, blankety blank, God's good. I'd be like, well, praise God. And then I'd go to them later and say, listen, you know, I just want you to know, that's not how we talk here. Listen, can I tell you the honest truth? Some of you sit in my office and you'll cuss when you're telling me your stories. You don't even know you're cussing. I've had to cuss right in my office. I don't go, stop right there. I don't do that. Listen, God's worried about you as a person there. I'm going to work with you on that. But let me tell you something. Sometimes we don't even know how deep-seated our sin is. And you know, somebody gets saved and they come in here, man, they give testimony. Praise God! You know, start going off and it might slip. And somebody, hmm. Are you kidding me? We're going to love them. We're going to accept them. Now, if they just defy the, the, you know, leadership and they ultimately say, I don't care what anybody thinks. I say what I think and think what I say and blah, blah. Well, then, yeah, we got a problem. But truthfully, that's not going to happen. I don't know of it happening, at least. I'm saying that we need to. We need to provide an environment. God intends the church to be a place where people can come and be loved, be accepted, be included. Everywhere you go in the world, you've got to measure up to this standard to be part of this group. You've got to measure up this. And and somebody says, well, you have your standards. Yes, we do. And if you want to teach Sunday school, you have to measure up to them. We don't apologize for that. I wouldn't entrust kids to you, whether it was in the world or whether it's in the church unless you meet a certain qualification, because my children are a little bit too valuable to me to just let anybody handle them. Now, if we're wrong for being careful with our children, then so be it. I'll stand before God and give an account for that. But I'd much rather be safe than sorry. 
Can we guarantee that nothing's going to happen to our children here? No. Why? Because we got a bunch of sinful people working with them. Including a pastor that's sinful. But the truth is, we at least do what we can to protect and help them and keep them safe. It's true with every group. Listen, that, that has nothing to do with it. But you are, except you come here the way you are, you're welcome here. We want God to bless you here. We want God to include you. You get saved, then yes, by all means, you're included in the family here. And if you're lost, you're welcome to come till you get saved. And we'll still love on you. And we'll still do all we can to encourage you. We've had people that have been part of our church for years, never joined. Still love them. If I find out they're in a hospital, I'm still going to visit them. You say, well, you don't, you're not required to. No, I'm not required to. At least not from the world standard. But God says, do you love them? Do you care? Because my church should care for people. So therefore, I feel I should. And it's the same with our, our leaders here and for all of our staff here. We should care about people. You ought to care about people. We want to include people because that's what the Lord wants the church to do. I don't care what side of the tracks they're from. It doesn't matter to me what their income is. It doesn't matter what color their skin is. They are welcome and loved here. And if they're not from somebody, then somebody better think about getting out because they belong here as much as anybody. Last time I checked, we're equal sinners. Nothing good about this guy. This arrogant, self-centered attitude, which I honestly, I'm not, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you I think it exists around here. I don't, I don't see evidence of it personally. But then again, I'm not on the ground level sometimes. I don't want anyone ever to walk through the doors of Community Baptist Temple and not feel like they can be loved. And ultimately, if they're saved, they've trusted Christ, they are included in this local church as a member no matter what their background or where they're from, we're going to love on them and try to help them the best we can. <clears throat> Include. So inspire people to develop a heart for God. Include people in a loving church family. But number three, another purpose is to instruct people from the Word of God or from God's Word. Instruct people from God's Word. Look at verse 42 again. And they, get, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They're teaching them the Word of God. Teaching them the very foundational truths necessary and needful to be successful in the Christian life. I wonder today, if you were going to be a... um, um, If you were going to be a waiter or a waitress, you go to the restaurant and you say, I want a waiter, I want a waitress. Whatever. And, and they say, okay, <clears throat> um, here's our menu. You've got to learn it first because you've got to know what people are going to order. That kind of, no, I don't want to learn it. <clears throat> I don't need to learn it. I'm just going to be a good waitress. I'm going to be a good waiter. They'd go, you, you can't do that. You have to learn the menu first because you've got to know what's on the menu. You're going to have to offer this or offer that. You're going to have to help people with this or help them with that. No, I'm not learning anything. I'm just going to be a good waiter, a good waitress. You think that would fly? <clears throat> Absolutely not, it wouldn't fly. Here's what we do. I'm going to be a good Christian. Well, you need to learn the Word of God. Well, I'm not going to learn the Word of God. I'm just going to be a good Christian. I'm not going to study the Bible. I'm not going to memorize any scriptures. Huh. I'm not going to spend time honestly digging in the Word of God. I don't have time for that. I'm going to be a good Christian. Well, how good a Christian do you think you can be if you don't even know the Word? 
I mean, the, one, of the things that, one of the reasons the church exists is to teach and to train people the Word of God. That's why we stand up here and preach. And that's why we have series on Sunday night on, on, uh, <clears throat> on the keys to the Bible. That's why on Wednesday night we're talking about the mission of the church. That's why we do what we do for those reasons. That's why we have soul winning training. Because we want people to be able to grasp these truths. To, in, to, to literally drink them in. To make them ultimately uh, give them something to begin to study and to search. Those are just on the surface. Man, you get these lessons that you hear me preach and you write down some scriptures and you, you go back later and you reread them and you look at the main points and you let them soak in. You say, I never do that. You ought to. It'd be very helpful to you. It, it'd give you a springboard to something better. God would use it to help catapult you into another area of your Bible. And before you know it, you'd be studying on your own, learning things on your own, and then it really starts to take. <clears throat> the church, though, is to instruct people in the Word of God. 2 Timothy 2.2 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. God says there's some faithful people in your church. Invest in them. Invest in them. Got some faithful men in your church? Invest in them. Ephesians 4, let's turn there, would you please? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. This is how serious God is about this teaching, instructing people from the Word of God. Notice the gifts He gives the church. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 14. <coughs> Excuse me. And He gave some apostles, verse 11. Chapter 4, verse 11, Ephesians. And He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, and some pastors, and teachers. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. <clears throat> Again, notice the gift that God gives, the gifts. Notice verse 11. <clears throat> and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Look at those gifts. Those are gifts to the church. <clears throat> For what purpose? Well, he begins to outline those purposes. Notice in verse 12 and 13. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body, till we all come together in the unity of the faith. Notice again, he gives us those gifts with a goal in mind. See the goal, verse 12 and 13? First of all, maturity. Maturity, verse 12. Notice he says, for the perfecting of the saints. We have the gift, we have the goal. First, maturity. God wants you to be perfected. God wants you to be mature in your Christian life. You know what that means? That means you're grown up as a believer. <clears throat> when I was a child, I spake as a child, Paul said. When I became a man, he said, I put away what? Childish things. What do children do? You ever watch kids play on a playground? What do they always do? They always fight. Always bicker. They're always whining. Isn't that what they do? God wants us to bring people to maturity. One of the good reasons is so they can experience unity. And they're not always bickering, fighting, and complaining, and whining. That dinner series was really good. But you know... Is, okay, the preacher and his son did a good job singing, but I just wish sometimes he wouldn't think he has to do everything. 
nobody, I didn't hear anybody said that. But I'm just, I'm using that as an example because I know nobody would ever say that. But here's what I'm saying it for. We like to bicker. Then, then we want to say, I'm so spiritual. I'm so grown up. I'm so mature as a Christian that all I can do is point out everything I don't like. I'm just like a little child on the playground. It doesn't matter that the blacks canceled. It doesn't matter that he had a group already prepared. Oh, we forgot about that. We just didn't like that he thinks he's all that. Do you get where I'm going? Maturity. I use that because I know nobody would ever say that. But the point being is, is that we have to understand God's goal. One of his goals for the church is to grow up. You don't grow up unless you've been instructed and you've been trained and taught. So as parents, you take your children and you teach them. Listen, you don't talk like that to grown-ups. Listen, you don't live like that. No, we clean our room. No, we wash ourselves and take baths. And when you eat, you pray before you eat. And, and you know, we start teaching and training them. Why? Because we want to bring them to maturity. We want them to grow up. And pretty soon, they're doing the things without us telling them. They're about 30 years old, but they're starting to do them. <clears throat> My kids are perfect. They've done everything I've told them. But nonetheless, the gift, the goal. So one of the goals is maturity, verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. But notice it goes on to say, for the work of the ministry. So the ministry now, the work of the ministry. We talk about the work of the ministry. We've been noting it in our soul winning. We've noted it in our Wednesday night uh, series. <clears throat> the work of the ministry is reaching out with the gospel of Jesus Christ, coming, going and doing exactly what Jesus did when he came to earth. When he ministered to people, when he touched their bodies and touched their lives and touched their souls, that's the ministry. And God says, listen, I've given you this gift. I've given you some leadership in the church. Why? To help mature you and for the ministry's sake, to raise you up so that you're strong enough to go out and do the work of God that I've called you to do and fulfill your purpose as a believer in Christ. And he goes on to say, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Edifying is a building up process. It's maintenance. There's maintenance that goes on. Edifying people. People are going to trip up. They're going to struggle. They're going to have trials. They're going to have difficulties. You're going to get discouraged from time to time. God knows that those things are going to happen. Hey, He left the church here for a reason. To help pick you up. To exhort you. And ultimately here to, to, to bring maintenance in your life. To say, hey listen, it looks like you got off track a little bit. Let me help you. You never be upset when the pastor or somebody that loves you. Now, listen to me. When you go to people, you better make sure you've been praying for them and you love them. People see right through that junk. Well, brother, I just want you to know, I, you know, I, I bless God, I've been thinking about this, but uh, your glasses uh, really look like the world. What? Your glasses look like the world? I'm just using that as a stupid example. Somebody could come to me today and say, Preacher, your hair is a little bit long, and it is. I've got to get it cut. I know that. Preacher, your hair is long, and uh, I've been praying for you. You know, you know, I mean, stupid stuff. And I'd be like, you've been praying for me about that? It's only been long maybe for the last three weeks. So you really made it a matter of prayer, I could tell. But, but I'm just saying, you know, sometimes it's like, are you really serious? I mean, you really see everything is wrong with people like this? Is it really a major problem that you have to address and deal with? Or you really care about somebody? 
you know, I'm just saying, you better be careful. Brother, I heard you watch this movie the other day. If you was really godly, you wouldn't watch it. Well, who's, who's saying that to you? Listen, if you're going to say something like that to somebody, you better be shedding tears over them. If you haven't shed any tears over them, you don't have the right to say that to them. That's all there is to it. People can tell if your heart's broken for them or if you just want to point out problems in their life that you, you think, hey, I don't war with that. <laughs> Let me help you, young Christian. You, know, you get where I'm going with that. Be careful with those things. But there is a person. There are people God's placed in your life for that reason. Don't be upset. Don't be upset. Just say, you know what? Never thought about it. Let me, um, you know, I'll pray about that. If you mean that, God may just help you see that they were trying to help you more than you realize. On the other hand, but don't get bent out of shape about it. Understands part of the maintenance process. God allows people, and God has put the church here to help maintain, to encourage. Now, look at the last one, <clears throat> verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We see maturity. One of the goals is maturity, ministry, maintenance. But look at this it's modeling. Is it modeling? Yeah. God wants us to model Christ. He wants us in the church to help bring people along to look Christ-like. That's the goal. It's the goal. It's the goal to bring you to maturity as a believer, to, to prepare you for the ministry, to help maintain your Christian walk in life, and ultimately to, to enable you to, to model Christ and to lift Him up to the point where you can see exactly what you ought to be as a believer. And that is Jesus. All of us ought to look like Christ. We ought to talk like Christ. We ought to act like Christ. We ought to look like Christ in a sense. People ought to look at us and say, man, there's something unique about you. Man, there's something special about you. You just got such a countenance. I can't explain it. What, what's wrong with us that we look so much like the world that nobody can even tell we're believers? I love that. I, there's folks in our church that I, I'm out in public and I... You, they're, they're at maybe their place of work or wherever they're at, and you, you walk in, and I watch them from a distance, and I go, man, they're on it. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that smile. Look at that sweet spirit. Man, there's no way. They don't look like the rest of the people working here. You, you know, have you ever seen that in folks? I would hope that'd be Christ-likeness. And in most cases, I think it is. Sometimes it's just somebody's really nice. They're not even saved. <laughs> but boy, as a believer, we ought to be like this. Modeling, become Christ-like. So, the gift, the goal. And then finally, see the grounding. We see the grounding in verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Are there a lot of deceivers in the world today? Man, are there. Man, there's religion that's deceptive. You've got to be careful. I was talking to one of the brothers here recently and... Uh, he was saying how he watched a debate that went on between a, a particular gentleman, uh, apparently a guy named Bill Nye, and another one uh, by the name of um, um, the guy from Genesis, uh, Ken Ham. And he was just talking about how it really opened his eyes to some of the, the, the philosophy or the, the thoughts of this particular man that as a young man, he, he was so intelligent in his mind. He was so 
wise in his perspective. He knew so many things about science and all of that. As he heard him and he realized the position that he takes on evolution and he thought, wow. Now listen, can I just tell you this? The world will build people up in our eyes who don't believe Christ. Who don't believe the doctrines of the Word of God. And, and will develop an attachment, not necessarily physical like we're hanging out with them all the time, but we respect them and their, their positions in so many ways. And next thing you know, they have influence in our life. We as Christians have to be able to identify. If, if this particular person wasn't grounded in the Word of God in the area of creation, they may have been bought in. You know, he's such a good guy. He's got such a good, you know, he's really a, seems a good fellow and all that. He could have easily been swayed, could have been misled. But what's one of the church's purposes? It's to instruct people from God's Word so that they can be grounded in the truth. So when you hear stuff that's wrong, false, a perspective, an outlook, a doctrine, so to speak. You go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Red flags. Something's wrong with that. It doesn't match with what the Word says. And that's why you need to know what the Word says. Because if you say it doesn't match with what the preacher says, now you've got two men's opinions to choose from instead of God, authority. You have to have God as the authority. Let God be true, but every man a liar. So ultimately, the goal of the pastor is not to have you believe like he believes. The goal of the pastor is to present the Word of God in a way that you see the truth for yourself and make it yours. Grounding. So we see instructing people from the Word of God. Number four, we're moving quickly now. Before another Alberta Clipper hits us. Number four, to involve people in a biblically correct ministry. To involve people in a biblically correct ministry. Now again, earlier we said we wanted to include people. But that including is not enough. God has a purpose and a plan for the church. And He wants the church to include, but also He wants to involve people. Now, the picture of the church is that of a body. We've talked about this recently, so we're not going to spend a lot of time dealing with it. But it's that of a body. It's a body with many parts, each being useful, everyone being needed. We've talked about that. First Corinthians, let me just run through a couple basic verses. First Corinthians 12, 12. For as the body is and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. First Corinthians 12, 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. First Corinthians 12, 20. But now are they many members, yet uh, but one body. Again, the members of the body are placed there by God. Why? For a purpose. You say, what's the purpose? Ultimately, the purpose is to mature, ministry, minister, to maintain and model. Those are all part of it. They're to grow themselves, but then ultimately to be there for others in that same capacity. God has a purpose. We all fit. We all have a place. That's what he's teaching us. God wants every one of his children to be involved in a very a fundamental, a Bible-believing, soul-winning, separated church. And I didn't say those things by chance. He doesn't want you in a church that isn't reaching out with the gospel consistently. 
the purpose of the church and the church being Christ's body would have to include reaching out with the gospel. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Therefore, if a church is not seeking to save that which is lost and actively doing so, it is not scriptural in its purpose. That's why it's so important that we have our soul when he trained. That's why it's so important that we, we go out and reach out to our community. Someone says, door knocking is no longer effective. Okay. What they do in the Old Testament? Then they go house to house? Someone says, yeah, but they, you're misunderstanding what they did. They had Bible studies. Okay. All right, I'll tell you what. Don't just knock on their door next time. Go through the whole neighborhood and see who you can start a Bible study with. If you want to get real scriptural then, well, that'd be even worse. Exactly. We're making it easy on you. <laughs> We're making it easy. Just asking you to go out and take the gospel with you. I'm telling you that they went out into the community and said, listen, you know Christ? Do you remember the guy who died on the cross a few months back? He didn't stay dead. He rose again. Can I share something about him with you? Here, let me tell you what he did for you and why he died for you. Listen, that's part of the church's purpose. And we do that corporately. We come together to, for that purpose. Listen, churches must reach out with the gospel. If we're not doing it, someone says, well, I know churches that do this. And do that. Listen, there's a number of ways to reach out. I understand that. But it has to be consistent. It needs to be their, part of their main purpose. You may be holding a bottle of water one day at a park. And on the back of it will have the gospel of Jesus Christ on it. You'll be passing that out to people maybe. That's a means of outreach for us if it includes the gospel. But if it's just done to provide water, there's a problem. Again, involve people. In this kind of church, the Bible defines what the church is supposed to be doing. And every believer needs to be a part of that kind of ministry. All kinds of things going on, taking place. We're to win them, like God says, by grace through faith. Don't ever join a church without knowing how you get to heaven there. If you're going to move, if you're going to move jobs, okay, first of all, let me just, I'm going to say this. You don't have to agree with it, but I'm going to tell you, one day in heaven you'll know I was right. Never, never, never move away from your church just because you can get a job making twice as much money. Don't ever do it. You beg God for leadership and you better never move somewhere where there's not a good, fundamental, Bible-believing local church for your family to grow up in. Go ahead. Throw your children right out the door. Send them right to hell. Is there anything more precious to you than the spiritual well-being of your family? If there is, you better get on track, sir. Because you don't understand what God says is most important. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Even worse, what if he loses the souls of his family? Talked a lot about moving for prosperity's sake. Go ahead, look at it in the Bible now. I'm not talking about, listen, I'm not saying you can't move. I'm saying be careful. Make sure you know there's a place for you to worship. Don't just say, all that matters is my family's well-being physically. No, spiritually is just as important, I think more so. Biblically at least. Again, example is Lot. When he goes down to Sodom, the well-watered plains, he chose without thinking and he put his family in jeopardy because there was no spiritual 
spirituality involved. It was all flesh. Be careful. And you know what? That's how important the church is to you. Do without the church and you will be on a direction toward flesh. So you need this place and I need this place. And we need to go to a church that says, listen, you're going to get saved. Here's how you get saved. Biblically and scripturally, it's salvation by grace through faith. It's not your works. It's not my works. It's all Christ and what he did on Calvary. Don't go to a church that says, well, you can lose your salvation. Don't ever even think about it. Baptizing like God says. Believers are baptized. They're dunked, if you will. The word baptized means is the word baptizo. It means to dunk or submerge. Jesus said, answering, said unto him, Suffer to be so now, for thus it becometh to us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered. And he said, listen, I need to be baptized. They went down in the water. He went all the way in. Don't go to a church that doesn't baptize scripturally. Don't do that. You want, to fulfill, you want to go to a church that fulfills the purpose that God left them to do. That's scripturally saved people, scripturally baptized people. Why? Because that's where the provision is. That's where the protection is. That's where the power is. There's no power, protection, and provision in churches that are not fulfilling God's purpose. That's all man-made. Go ahead and put security all through your buildings. But I need God to watch the city according to Psalms chapter 127. Watchmen labor, but in vain if God's not in the midst of it all. Number three, somebody's asking if we have church tonight. Teach them like God says. Teach them like God says to observe all things. In James 1.22, the Bible says, But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Doers. Listen, knowledge isn't very helpful if you never use it or put it into practice. You ever been a coach? You've told a kid, stand here, get in your stance. Do this. Don't let anybody outside. How do you do that? You move here. You brush block inside. You do this. You do that. Whatever. You give them specific instruction. You even demonstrate it for them. And then they stand there and the guy runs right around the end and they go, you go, what are you doing? He goes, I don't know. Do you know what you're supposed Yeah, I'm supposed to keep him from going outside. Why didn't you do it? I just didn't feel like it. It doesn't do any good to have knowledge. You've got to put into practice what you know. God wants us not to know, just know what's right. He wants us to do what's right. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, he tells us. In 1 Timothy 3.15, the Bible says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Notice he says that thou oughtest to behave thyself. How, uh, know, know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. <clears throat> the Christian life is not a phys- ph- uh, ph- uh, philosophical life. It is a practical life. It's not just a knowledge life. It's a real life. It works. And everybody needs to be involved in a biblically correct ministry that is winning souls. By the way, bus drivers, we do not have buses running if you haven't got the word yet. So we're good to go there. So everyone needs to be involved in a biblically correct ministry that is winning souls, baptizing new converts, and teaching its members to observe all things. Bus captains, make sure you contact your kids. Don't let them find out after they, you should have been there, okay? As soon as we're done, get on it, okay? We don't want the kids standing outside waiting. So, last but not least, to impact our community and the world with the gospel of Christ. Isn't that really what it's all about when it's all said and done? Impacting our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the world. And that's, we've already talked about that a little bit. We know the condition of the world today, don't we? It's a dark place, isn't it? The Bible, matter of fact, in Ephesians 2.11 says, Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in, uh, with, in the flesh made by hands. It's talking about 
It's talking about the Jews versus the Gentile there, okay? One is circumcised, one is not circumcised. But anyway, it goes on to say that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's the state of the world. They have no hope because they're without Christ. Give them food. Shelter them. Clothe them. But don't give them the gospel. You've, created, you, you, you've committed the greatest crime of all. Because now they die and go to hell. Utilize those as tools to give the gospel tremendous opportunities. But the gospel is key. The Bible says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. And of course, the church has been called, we know, to reach out to a world that's lost. And so we talk about that and we try to train that thing and we try to go that direction. I wonder today, when you think about the purpose of the church in your own mind, I wonder what you think about. You know, I know we talked about a lot of things, but, you know, why do you come to church? Why are you even here? I mean, is it because you don't want to let somebody down? You want to disappoint a loved one, a family member? Is it because you think your wife expects it, your husband expects it? I mean, why? Why? And if you're a kid and you say, well, I'm here because I have to, good. Your parents are wise. But... But think about, what's the purpose of the church? Now, in, line, in, in relationship to the church now, its purpose, are you here to, in, in agreement with the purpose? Or do you have your own reason for coming? Pull 100 people, you probably have 100 different ideas of what the church is supposed to be. But God has defined it for us. Even in the book of Acts, we see that, chapter 2. Allow the Word of God to define your faith your beliefs. And you'll be amazed what God will do in your life. Are you saved today as we close? Do you know Christ is your Savior? If you don't, you need to settle that. That's the first thing. He did die on the cross 2,000 years ago. He did rise again. Just like the Bible says. And you know what? He's waiting for you to call upon Him because He loves you that much. He's crying out to you. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Do you know Him? Have you personally called and accepted Him as your Savior and Lord? Because if you haven't, you need to today. If you're a child of God, do you love Him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind? Do you? I hope.